This is DWZ Podcast with J-Rod here. Deleted WrestleZone's very own podcast. All things that it's pro wrestling with AEW, NXT, New Japan Pro Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, the National Wrestling Alliance, various promotions, wrestlers, matches, and championships. I'm your host, J-Rod here. So let's begin with... Well, this is old news, but I am assume some of you may or may not have heard about this one. Now... This one came after maybe a month or so of the sudden passing of Brody uh, Lee. As you know, uh, it hit the wrestling world really, really hard, especially those who were Luke Harper fans or the previous uh, characters he had prior before WWE. And of course, his persona, Brody Lee, involved in AEW. Well... Amanda Hubber, who is the widow, came on to AEW Unrestricted, their very own podcast who that it's hosted by both Tony Schiavone and referee Aubrey Edwards. Amanda Hubber wanted to clarify of what happened between the timeline before um, Brody Lee's timely death, um, which hit us so hard. But before we move on to that, let's talk about what really people speculated about this. There were those that speculated that his death was, in fact, related to the wounds to the dog collar match that he had with Cody when Cody came back from that from wherever he was. Others saying that he was in a hospital, but they couldn't clarify if it was true or not. So there was a lot of speculations about Brody's death. But however... I give praises to Amanda Hubber for a lot of reasons. A, she was thinking what she knew what her husband does not want. You see, if all of this crap comes out in the in the, in the dirt sheets, as she call it, I'm talking about the news uh, outlets out there, like the Wrestling Observer, Fightful, or any other places, they were going to speculate certain things that weren't true. And, and I understand that because... Of course, we want to keep that as a private matter. But here's the thing that's going what happened. Let's start from the timeline from what she was saying. According to her, something happened after she, uh, Brody had his his own uh, podcast interview with the AEW Unrestricted. He said that he was having a hard time breathing. Now, in your minds, you would think, oh, it's COVID, it's COVID. Yes, because we know that's one of the symptoms when it comes to heavy breathing. And to be honest with you, I would thought the same thing too. But however, that wasn't the case. She, of course, Amanda Hubbard said that she was very, she did a lot of, uh, how to say, not like a very own test, you know, the, how to say, that little screen check, you know, where you had the uh, gun thing to t- test her temperature had him smell the candle and all that. Everything was fine. But however, when things were getting a little worse and worse, she knew she had to take him to the hospital. Of course, in her back of mind, she believed it was COVID. But however, that wasn't the case that was going on. Basically, what happened, the doctors told him they had to airlift them to Jacksonville, Florida, which luckily for those who know AEW, who are diehard fans, Jacksonville is the home uh, operation of AEW. 
And of course, the AEW uh, people came around and asked Amanda. They are they are being aware about what's going on with his situation with his health. And of course, she did request one thing only from everybody in AEW. That includes the staff. That includes the talent, the referees, everyone. She requested for everybody to shut the hell up. Do not talk to anybody. So basically what she what is being told, all the AEW stars, including the staff, the crew, everyone, have been aware about the condition about Brody Lee. Now, you probably say, why didn't they keep this? Why didn't they say anything? They're obliging to this woman's wishes. I mean, look, this woman doesn't need this dirt sheet to go out out in the public to speculate what is going on? I can say I, I can understand it. People saying it is our business to know, but no, this is a man who, who's a loving father, a loving husband. How do you think she's feeling and reacting? But of course, <laughs> at first we all thought it was COVID, but it turns out it wasn't. Somehow his lungs got scarred. I mean, it doesn't make any sense, but that is the most scariest thing. Now, however, here's the thing that people say. I'm going to tell you this right from my personal life that none of you know. Recently, my grandfather passed away. Now, he died from a heart attack from the time my mom and my father had to go pick him up and take him to the hospital. But he died from a heart attack. And from what people were thinking that happened when... My mom told he passed away. Everybody assumed right from the start it was COVID. But my mom assured them, no, it wasn't. They do have the documents and the death certificate to say it wasn't COVID. It was a heart attack. Now, people were speculating the same thing about Brody's death. They all assumed it was COVID. But no, Amanda Hubbard reassured us it wasn't that. His lungs were failing. Now, you probably say, but J-Rob, we were dealing with the pandemic all year. Yes, understand that. But here's the thing. Do you think COVID is the only thing that's going to kill us? Think about it. We just had people die in various ways. Now, not to make this personal or anything. The pull, look what happened to George Floyd. He died from asphyxia. Now, if you guys don't like me talking about that, that's fine. But I'm putting out a point. We have that happen. We have people who got shot. There's many ways to die other than COVID this this past year. And everybody keeps assuming COVID, COVID, COVID. But come on. There's many ways for someone to die. COVID doesn't have to be the only way. And, and, that, and that bothers me. Here's the way I see it. If I got run over and people say, oh, I died from COVID. No, I died from injuries. That's the same thing. But of course, um, this thing was really hard for me. You couldn't understand watching. I saw the video version of Amanda Hubbard, how she broke out in tears, how frustrated she had to be going through. It It must have been killing her so bad. Dealing with this whole thing with Brody's health. But the one thing that really makes me sad is their son, Brody. 
uh, Brody Jr., he um, or we as we call him, negative one. He was only eight years old when his dad died. And here's the thing that hurts me. How do you tell an eight-year-old boy that his father is no longer with us? And you know who had to tell him this? Big E and Cody. Amanda talked to them. She wanted them to hear it. I wanted to hear what's going on, but they felt that they should be the ones to tell him. Because he grew closer to both of them. And the one thing that made me cry was hearing that all this boy wanted for Christmas, even though it never happened for him, was his dad to be home for Christmas. And that broke me into tears. It made me think about, man, it's it's tough for an eight-year-old boy to lose his father and not be there for Christmas. Now, I'm going to rant on this right now because of What's been going on with Negative One, or should I say Brody Jr.? Some dumb assholes out there are saying AEW are taking advantage of the kid. Well, let me say this, and I'm going to pardon my language for all the people who are listening. I like to say this. Fuck you. How dare you say that about AEW taking advantage of the kid? This kid loved wrestling. That's all he ever wanted. His dad was a wrestler. He had favorite wrestlers. But let me tell you something. Whoever these people are, they're looking out for this kid. This kid was only eight years old when his dad died. What do you want them to do? Ignore that he died? No. How do you think this eight-year-old boy would survive without his father? They have been looking out for him, making sure he's okay. Because in his mind, he knows that his father's gone, but it's not easy for a child to lose their father. You know, and it's not easy. I have a friend who last year, her husband died from mental illness. And they have a four-year-old daughter. Or she was four, or she's going to be five soon. How do you tell a four-year-old girl Her dad is not here with us. I mean, it's the same thing. This kid lost his dad. He wasn't there for for Christmas. He wasn't there for his birthday when he turned nine. So whoever's saying this, that Brody, that AEW are taking advantage of it, shame on you. Hell, I even love the kid, how he's getting involved, being the leader, you know? I love what they're doing. They're letting him run wild. Yeah, let the kid run wild. There's nothing wrong with that. They're just looking out for the kid. But ask yourselves this obvious question. Would WWE do the same thing for John Hubbard? The answer to that question is hell no. You want proof? Ask Owen Hart's widow and his kids. They have a grudge against WWE and you can see that at Dark Side of the Ring so but I have to say I praise Amanda she hang in there she knew she was in a difficult situation 
And she loved the, the tribute show they did for him. She actually called it his funeral. And I have to say, she's a strong woman. I know she's been through a lot, but hopefully we get to see her again. Being happy, raising her two sons. You know, we all can say she's a single parent now. But I praise her a lot, and I have to say she was a strong woman. Hanging in there, not only just for herself, but for her kids. And that's one of uh, the reasons I like talking about this subject. Now, let's move on to the interesting subject. Now, if you guys have been watching Impact Wrestling, they had the number one contenders for the AEW, no, for the Impact Wrestling world title that is going to be facing against Kenny Omega. Now, the one wrestler I felt that should have been facing Kenny Omega from the get-go was Moose. Now, some of you probably saying, J-Rod, why would I want Moose? Simple, I like the storyline they're putting on with it. There's a reason why. Now, let's go back in time how this happened from both sides with Moose and Kenny Omega. Let's start with, with Moose. Hold on a second. Excuse me. Moose began this whole storyline last year. This was a time when COVID becomes was becoming more serious than we thought. He had a problem with Impact Wrestling mentioning TNA. He was telling everybody to shut the hell up, stop talking about TNA, and start talking about Moose. Now, they were supposed to have a show that was going to take place by WrestleCon at WrestleMania week. And that show was, there is no place like home, T uh, like a TNA reunion. Everything was set, book bookings were set, that whole ordeal. But however, because of COVID, it changed. We were supposed to have a three-way match at last year's Rebellion between Michael Elgin, Eddie Edwards, and of course, who was at the time the current Impact Wrestling World Champion, now no longer Tessa Blanchard. Now, Michael Elgin, his story, the way they, they developed, is that his ambition is to become the World Champion. So no one showed up. But here comes Moose unveiling the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, which was the belt supposed to be at the storage. And he goes runs around with that title saying he is the real world champion. And calling the Impact Wrestling World Champion Chip a second-rate belt that no one cares about anymore. However, that wasn't the case. People were ignoring Moose, selling him, that title's not even active. You're not even a real world champion. But he kept going on and on and on and on and on, saying that he is. But however, last year at the uh, Found for Glory, so before that, something has changed. Or should I say it happened in Slammiversary. EC3 shows up, returned after who knows how many years he's been away. He begins having a feud with Moose. Telling him, control your narrative. And of course, their match at Bound for Glory at this undisclosed location happened. EC3 told him, 
control your narrative. He told him to finish him. And that's exactly what he did. And Moose just changed into a different person. Now, what happened next, that's when Moose started to realize no one is paying attention to him about what he's saying. I'm the real world champion. He wasn't paying attention. He realized that no one cares. No one cares about the TNA world heavyweight title anymore. He's like acting like they should, but they're not. The Impact World Champion. And now he, then he targeted Rich Swan right from the start. Telling him that it's his destiny. But however, later in Sacrifice, they had that match where whoever wins the unification would be facing Kenny Omega. Now, a part of me wished at that time it was going to be Moose. Because there's a reason why. Moose not only has been saying he's the real world champion, he is telling the whole world that he is a wrestling god. That he is the best wrestler in the world. That's what he's been doing. And not only that, ever since Moose lost the tie, that match to Rich Swan, no one's seen him. But now that he's back, he wants a crack at Kenny. And he did. Now he's going to have a, sh a shot of him. Who knows when. But his match at Under Siege la last night proved it. Now let's jump in with Kenny Omega, how this whole thing began as well. Kenny Omega began having a feud with Jon Moxley for the AEW World Title, where he won the AEW World Title Eliminator, where he had to face a bunch of people. But when he won that match, when he won that match, he moved on to finally getting a shot of the AEW World Title with the former champ, Jon Moxley. This match took place at Second Coming. Don Callis was invited to be commentary because he is close friends or a family friend of Kenny Omega. And all of a sudden we saw the controversial matter that took place that day where Don Callis handed a microphone to Kenny and Kenny whacked him. And that's when he's appearing at Impact Wrestling as with the AEW world title. And, then Ke and Don Callis was telling Rich Swan that Kenny is a real world champion. He's saying Rich is not a real world champion. That Kenny is God of Wrestling. That's what's been going on. And we all know the story that Kenny won that title over and over. But it's Don Callis who's been saying all of this. Now, here's the way I play it out between Kenny and Moose. Moose will say that he is a wrestling god. Don Callis will say, no, no, no. You are not a wrestling god, my friend. You are nothing compared as Kenny. That's what I say. There's going to be a feud about who is the best wrestler, who is the wrestling god. That's the way I pictured it. We're going to see this back and forth. Who is the best wrestler in the world? That is what I see in this match with Moose. It's a bit of an argument. Who is the best wrestler in the world? And that's something I am in interested in since this whole thing began. And I'm very anxious to see this go on. I don't know when. Now, I'm assuming this match could place at Slammiversary. And I hope it does. Because I would love to see it happen. Now, let's move on to the more of the mixed reaction that took place uh, down at Blood and Guts. Now, I know some of you were having a controversial talk about, oh, Jericho's fall. 
You can see the crash pads. They're like, yeah, so what? You want him to get hurt? Is that what you want for those people who wanted him to get hurt? Shame on you. But here's the thing. Jericho explained that he rehearsed, that he actually had a stunt double do some scenes for him and all this and that. It, it made perfect sense. But that was the whole point of giving MJF the spot that he needed. You know, the... You know, that he will not take his word for what happened. And it was... He thought it was pretty cool how it ended. But I don't see why. every The mixed reaction, half and half, people arguing about it. I don't get it. It bothers me that no one gets it. But I, I me and several of my friends were like, that was a good match. The ending... So what if he landed in a crash pad? I mean, you want him to get hurt? Is that what you want? Shame on you. But there is more reaction. But this time, you guys wouldn't believe it if I told you. The mixed reaction is coming from none other than their opposite rivals from another promotion. We're talking about WWE. Now, you're probably saying, J-Rod, who gives a fuck what WWE thinks? Yes, I understand that too. But think about it. What is the mixed reaction? Who liked it? Here's the rub that I found out. It turns out that a lot of the WWE talent, they love what happened at Blood and Guts. They even said it themselves from various uh, news outlets saying, this is what they want to do. They want to do matches like this. However, the WWE top officials, they're not sold on it. And it's typical. That's the problem right there. If you have talent who like what they see and they say, we need to do things like that, then do it. But however, it's guys like in the top of the corporate office of WWE that are saying no. Okay, why not? Are you guys scared? The problem is this, look. We've seen Blood and Guts is a similar to the war games we've been seeing with WCW and now NXT. But the only difference is there's not a lot of blood in this one. So, so what? But I don't know what else of mixed reactions people want. And it bothers me that people are saying all this crap. You know? So what? Look, I like the match. It was awesome. The ending was great. But so what if Jericho landed on a crash pad? The real question you need to ask yourselves, do you really, I mean, really, 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 really want to see him get hurt or die? Is that what you guys want? Then go ahead. Have no remorse for all I care. But for those who do care, good for you. That you see things exactly like I would see it. Now, let's move on to the most interesting that took place this past Wednesday. I'm talking about Miro becoming the TNA, the TNT champion. All I can say is this. It's about freaking time. Now, I know that people were criticizing AEW on Miro since joining. I know some of you say we never got to see Miro become a a world a, a champion, you know, a WWE champion or Universal. Yes, I agree with you on that. But you need to ask yourselves this obvious question. 
ever since Miro made his debut at AEW. Do we think this whole thing with him and Kip was going to last? Frankly, to be honest with all of you, I felt that at some point it was going to end. But the real question was, when? You catch my drift? But the moment I noticed, that's when I realized, okay, we're getting to that time where they're about to split. If you guys want the real clue, that's when, uh, remember, Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy set up a one last match with both Mero and, of course, Kip. The Arcade Anarchy. Mero didn't want to do this, but it was Kip. Now, Mero, in the other hand, he did not want this because his primary focus was going for championships. And of course, look what happened at the Anarchy, at the Arcade Anarchy. He lost. He took his frustrations out on Kip, and that's what happened. So basically what is going on, we have to assume, okay, this whole thing with Kip Sabian wasn't going to last long. And frankly, I'm okay with the idea because it proves, okay, yes, now we're seeing the aggressive Miro that we should have seen from the get-go in WWE. I mean, don't get me wrong. The Rusev Day is one of the most amazing uh, characters I've ever seen ever since then. But now we're seeing the aggressive Miro, the Miro who is out to get championships to prove he is dominant, that he would break people's necks and arms or whatever. That is the Miro we needed to see. But it was only a matter of time. And I say AEW did the right choice in doing that. I think it was time. But of course, there's the obvious question. How long this is going to last? I don't know. But frankly, we'll just sit back, relax, eat some popcorn, get some sodas, and just watch what Miro is going to do as the TNT champion. So, let's move on from this. And this is the last thing I want to talk about before I end this episode for all of you. As you know, we're getting closer and closer to AEW's flagship. I'm talking about the most famous pay-per-view that AEW has ever produced. The first one that ever came almost back in 2019. I'm talking about It's Double or Nothing. Now... This past Wednesday, AEW set out, of course, a, a number one contendership between both the Bastard Pock and freshly squeezed Orange Cassidy. Now, the idea was is to have who was going to win. Now, here's the original plan that was later revealed. The match was supposed to end in a time limit draw. And, of course, Tony Khan will make the decision saying, okay, we'll take these two. But, however, it did not happen exactly like we thought. Don't get me wrong. It, we were going to have a three-way. But, however, something happened at AEW Dynamite. Pocked super kicked Cassidy. He was unconscious. However, there was a last-minute change. And that last minute was Kenny and Don Callis. You saw Don Callis interfered, trying to get in the referee's face while Kenny attacked Pac, resulting in a double countout. Now, I have to say, 
it was a smart move on their part because who knows how things would have happened in this whole thing. But having a three-way is a great because here's the thing. Don't get me wrong. I know a lot of people have mixed feelings over Orange Castle. Like, say, oh, this guy, he's not cool. He has his own, put his hands in his pockets. He sucks. He's the worst wrestler in the in the effing world. AW picked the wrong wrestler. I like the guy. So what? I always am bound by wrestlers who are unique. I even told this to my wrestling buddies here in San Diego that I appreciate wrestlers who are unique. And Orange Cassidy is amongst those guys. And Pac, don't get me wrong, I love the guy. He is good. I have to say I love him when he was Neville back in WWE. But now the bastard he is, that is also unbelievable. And frankly, I don't mind having a three-win match because this is going to be an amazing main event. Now, I know there's people who have mixed reactions about Orange Cassidy will never be the world champion because it's not right. How do we know? Ask yourself this, people. Who here, how many of you of my listeners are big fans of Orange Cassidy? I am. You know why? Let me tell you why. First time I saw him, I'm like, it was in, in the first AEW event at the, at the Casino Battle Royale. I'm like, who the hell is this guy? And the more and more I've been watching him, I... It, it, he started to grow on me. You know what I mean? And there's nothing nothing wrong with that. He grew on me like any other wrestler I, I watch. And I don't have to lie about that because I'm being honest with all of you. Now, if he does become the world champion, I'll be happy like a kid on Christmas. And that's me, okay, guys? That's just plain me right there. But... That's how I see it. But as for Pac, I would love to see him too as the world champion. I love these guys. They're, these three wrestlers are awesome. Like, there's nothing wrong with it. But the three-way, I think this is going to be a first ever in AEW history at a pay-per-view event for this. I know there's people who have mixed feelings for, it, uh, for Orange Cassidy. But who cares? I have to say, let's see what this guy got, you know? Earn your dues, Orange Cassidy. That's what we I would say. So, I hope you guys enjoyed this latest podcast episode. There'll be more to come on the next Sunday. I'll be gathering whatever I got starting from today, this Sunday, after WrestleMania Backlash, all the way to the next Sunday. But for now, I'll see you guys in the next DWZ time in the same DWZ channel I must bid all of you adieu. So, goodbye. Mwah. And have a nice day. Bang!